The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith. Number 40 and 41, The Wall, 15th and 16th of June 2019. The Northern Curse. is real. If anyone knows me and my rubber duck collection, that is not a thing. But the Northern Curse is. Every time I plan a hefty race or two in the north of England, I tend to get sick. I blame the contractors I work with. They do not get paid sick leave. So if they are unwell, they still come into the office spreading their lurgy. For a double header of a Tough Mudder and Manchester track marathon, I had whooping cough. For the SVN Chocothon Cakeathon weekend in Peniston, I had a chest infection and did neither. And this weekend, with the wall starting Saturday, I started feeling like crap in the middle of the week. That little cough cough that should probably be written in a smaller font the noise people make when talking about someone faking it (coughs) that is what the whole team had on Wednesday by the time I went to bed the smaller font cough cough was cough cough in 72 point font bold and underlined in green And so it meant a day in bed, Thursday, lem sips, some antibiotics I had around the place, Netflix, blankets and all the liquids, before travelling up to Carlisle on Friday evening. The Wall is a two-day, 70-mile race from Carlisle Castle to the Millennium Bridge in Newcastle, travelling along, in spirit anyway, Hadrian's Wall, hence the name. You camp overnight. There are few but very well-stocked checkpoints along the way, but no chip timing. Your start and finish times on each day would be written down, old school, which is a little odd given the cost of the event. I would be running this one, when we actually found ourselves on the same stretch of road, with Rachel Vernon from St Wales 1 and 2. And it was good to have someone there that I knew, especially someone who knew how to put up a tent. And also would have cash for the food and drink. Cut halfway. After a bit of a shambles at the race HQ with me forgetting my pack that they needed to check and then giving my waiver form to the wrong person who incorrectly accepted it and then filed it in the wrong plastic tub and then having to go through the whole thing again with Rachel, we had a cracking Italian meal. that really set me up for the first day. With fire and ice still fresh in the memory, I was looking forward to sleeping in a tent 
on my silver heat mat in the same sleeping bag. I wanted to rekindle some of the feelings I had achieving what was the most challenging race to date, while at the same time relishing in the idea of running on actual road and not volcanic trail. Day one started well. Beginning at Carlisle Castle, we headed out and looped the town before a few suburban roads led us to the countryside and peace and quiet. I hit the walkers who had gone out half an hour earlier, uh, pretty early, within the first hour, and then it was all quiet B-roads amongst rolling hills and the occasional fellow runner. It was on open roads, which I didn't like, and the signposts were few and far between. The numbering was limited when you found one, so if your watch died, as mine did before the end of each day, and your phone died, uh, as mine did before the end of day two, and your music players die, as mine did, then the signs are the only way of knowing how far you've gone and how far you have to go. It's all about managing your expectations. And random mile markers do not help in this regard. The first checkpoint was 15 miles into the race. It's a long time in my opinion, especially with first-time ultra runners in the field. I mean, I was okay, this was not my first rodeo. And I hadn't even finished the first of my two bottles of drink before I came through it. I was a little bored though. And so, having spied signposts as we went through a little village, I stopped at the Walton Reading Room and Café for a bacon sandwich, a pot of tea and a chat with the two old ladies serving. I then met up with Rachel at the next checkpoint and she was puzzled, if anything, to see me catch up with her, given that I was, for all intents and purposes, in the lead for much of that day. I explained my tea stop to her, and she alluded to the idea that I wasn't taking this seriously. And maybe she was right. But I wasn't going for a time. It would be three ultras and a marathon in the space of four weeks for me, so finishing was an achievement in itself. As it was, she would end up fracturing a metatarsal sometime in the day and would end up agreeing with me that getting to Newcastle one way or another under the cut-off was all we could hope for from the weekend. Three hours into the race and we finally found some of Hadrian's Wall. Not much, I grant you, maybe 30 yards or so in the first bit. But we all stopped to take photos. And then further along, there was a, a better stretch of wall that edged a road and some steps, on the top of which a photographer caught us unawares and at our worst. There was another cafe. The wall cafe, I think it was. I stopped and used the toilet and bought orange juice and water. A group of elderly American tourists who were hiking the route let me ahead of them, which was nice. And then more country lanes and a little lake around the marathon distance. Uh, and then a bloody big hill. 
And this one was a killer. Once at the top, following blue flags rather than orange flags, we went from one sheep field to the next, climbing high stone walls via wooden steps over and over again until we hit the campsite for day one and headed straight for the beer tent. The second day started with bacon sandwiches and tea and a couple of sodas put in the water bottles. Rachel's foot was ballooning unnaturally and she took some ibuprofen off of me, despite me only having the cold and flu variety. The race started at 7.30 with groups of 10 in a first-come, first-served format. We would be the second group to go out, five minutes after the first. And then we were out of the village and onto long country lanes the challengers in formation. I had finished with my Garmin after my poxy polar had died on day one, and I was on to the second iPod. I switched the watch view to current and average pace, with a per kilometre pace in my head that I wanted to maintain. I put my head down and embraced the day knowing that checkpoint one was half marathon distance away. And then checkpoint two was a further 17 miles after that. At Hexham, after a period actually on trails for a change, I crossed a bridge and met up with local boy John. And it was lovely to see him. I truly appreciated him coming out to cheer us on. I left him to pick up after his dog, ran alongside the rail tracks, and he was there again in front of me. He'd driven ahead to meet up again before the first checkpoint. As I looked at the tracker to see where Rach was in relation to me, I saw that 130 people from the start list had already DNF'd and there was still another six hours of the race to go. It was hard going. The next bit being my least favourite as it was all on B roads. No paths at all, at times quite busy with traffic. My Garmin then died at 25 kilometres and so did the second iPod, leaving me with a problem. I was now effectively running naked and not by choice. No music, no way of knowing how far I was other than an erratic set of mile markers and the GPX uh, file that was on my phone in the OS Maps app that told me completely different information. You see, there was no consistency. Different distances were measured or mentioned all over the shop. The race booklet, which was just a pamphlet that they made mandatory, did not even have distances on it. He just had map coordinates and postcodes of the checkpoints. The wall GPX file I had in OS Maps, uh, the OS Maps app gave me different information than the marshals. The website told us that CP1 on day one was 15 miles, and then there was 9 and 24, and then 9 to the finish. It also said day two, the first checkpoint was 30 miles, 13 miles, then 30, and then 7 to the finish. I think that comes up to 71 
rather than 70 miles. Then the signs did not seem to be placed correctly at times. Then my maths failed as the day went on, before long sadness set in. The limping started, head down, the constant crushing loneliness, the worry it's never going to end and you, the fear that you'll die alone. And then, of all things, a bench came to my rescue. On the bench was a plaque. This bench, it said, is dedicated to Jill Smith, who loved to sit here. And so I did too, to see what all the fuss was about. And in that time, I calmed down. And from there, the wall became a race of ever-decreasing increments. What started as a single race became two days. Day two, this day, was 37 miles, and that included 13 to choke point one, a further seven to two, and then seven to home. Or was it six? The marshals at the checkpoint said one thing. There was a sign that said another, and the GPX file said something else, and so did me Google mapping it from my current location to the Malmaison Hotel, where I would stay the night only for my phone to then die. So now I was counting in my head, 100 running paces, then down to 50, then 10 as I coughed up throat oysters and blue snot rockets, playing the newly created bench game and getting a little respite for my poor feet and my sore right ankle each time. The rules of the bench game are quite simple. You run, you see a bench, and you're only allowed to sit on it, and if you do sit on it and rest, you're only allowed to do that for a slow count of 30 seconds, if, and only if, when you get to it, you can't see another bench in the distance. If you can see another bench in the distance, then you have to run to that one, and then repeat the aforementioned. And it gets you through these little psychological games. Now on the quayside, having seen a wonderful array of bridges of all different designs, shapes and sizes, with a mile to go and playing the bench game, Rachel went by, running on a broken foot, her hands like blades ultimately focused. She was like a mini Terminator 2, and she was very, very focused. She made a gesture about being in the zone and listening to music, and so I jogged alongside her for a bit. But then I slowed down, leaving her to run the last half mile to glory, as I was too beaten myself. That, and it was time for another 30 seconds on a juicy bench, before I joined a guy who'd been my closest runner for the whole day, and then ran across the bridge to cheers from the MC and over the finish line. Rachel was already there, showing her blistered feet to a marshal. Feet knees! My feet are pretty fucked. Look at the state of them! Ultimately heading off to Barnsley for an x-ray to either confirm or not her broken metatarsal. Next up, the Serpent Trail. 